Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, you know that sound that is the unfiltered band. It means yes, people. Another episode of Unfiltered coming your way here and now. This officially go down as never episode number 147 the hall of fame in review you can review view become a part of jump on board get on board the train on the unfiltered revolution it's simple get over on twitter at casey stern get in the bio join the youtube channel subscribe like the videos listen all the content give your ideas your thoughts your reviews and whatnot and get on board this train and uh, in a world of fake and believe me there's plenty live life unfiltered good to have you on board we will be unfiltered here as we look back at what happened with the hall of fame a lot to uncover and to dissect and i want to do so and of course congratulations to scott Rowland, the newest member to the hall of fame will join this class with fred mcgriff way belated for the crime dog we are not belated because just in time to tell you as always we here on unfiltered presented by our good friends at bet online BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pros in college, basketball, UFC, MMA, and much more. You'll always get the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over BetOnline, live betting options, free contests, live scores, almost any game, any sport imaginable. BetOnline, truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports leagues and events. It's easy, people. Head over to the website today. Use your mobile device to join. Receive your 50% welcome bonus. With your first deposit, make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B L E A V to receive your rewards, betonline.ag, where the game starts. And we get started here with uh, a little bit of a, because um, I've done, look, I've done plenty of Hall of Fame for those of you who listen to me, uh, you know, over the years. And I even recently had a podcast here. You can go back in episodes, talked about some of the candidates and their candidacy and who I thought should and shouldn't be in. And, you know, I'm not afraid of, of giving my opinion. So clearly, uh, you know, I'm happy to do that. Right. But this is not going to be a conversation today. About whether or not it was right for Scott Rowland to get in. This is not going to be a conversation today about whether or not Todd Helton deserved to get in or Billy Wagner deserved to get in, both of which I think they did. Carlos Beltran, did he deserve to get in? I think he does. Among others. This is not today about the opinion because it is not fact. We can all say, no, look, you want to say the, the New York Jets have been a disgrace forever. That's a fact. That, you may think that's an opinion. I'll fight you to the death, people. That's not an opinion. That's a fact, right? All right? So you could say even about things that aren't you know necessarily two plus two is four, you know, level of factual, that things are, are fact. We got enough. We got enough backdrop where we feel like, okay, I feel like, hey, we can be confident saying that's not an opinion, right? But going back to something I've said a few weeks ago on this podcast, something I've said for years, and that has been brought to my attention many times when I've lost my mind about the Hall of Fame by friends of mine who are Hall of Fame voters and get a vote, which I do not. And that is this, that even if we're right about or wrong about whether someone belongs in or how their vote was handled, even a lot of the things I'm going to get into today, regardless of any of that, we are not asking for 100% of the vote to be on a player for their entrance to get into the Hall of Fame 
And to be part of the next class in the Cooperstown, we're asking for 75. Three out of four, for those of you who are not good at fractions. All right? My son, by the way, learning fractions now. He said that show, like, you know, are you smarter than a fifth grader? I, I used to be, so I do not like math. Small tangent. I don't. But I used to be, as a kid, like a, my mother would tell you, this is the, you know, not my word. She was way prouder of it than I was, because to me, it just, it didn't do anything for me in my life. But I was like a computation or a um, multiplication table and addition and subtraction, all like the, the usuals, right, that you go through in elementary school, like a wizard. Like people would shout out two numbers of like three, four digits each, and I'd be adding them. That got me nowhere in life, people. And by the way, it was terrible once I got to like calculus and decided to take that in high school like an idiot, right? So like it didn't help me and it'd go anywhere for me, right? And I don't enjoy math. Clearly, I'm more of a, a speaker and, and enjoyed English and things of that nature, even much more so science or social studies and current events than anything having to do with math, all right? Like what a sine, a cosine, and tangent is going to do for my life, I have no idea. A TI-82 calculator going to do for me right now is absolutely nothing. But point being, like I was real good back in the day. Like I was a dude in that category, whatever the hell that is. Now I do my homework with my son and like I'm like, I admit, like there have been a couple of times I'm like on a side sheet doing it to make sure I got it right and that I'm as good still and understanding like the processes of like how you're supposed to, because, you know, we all learn different ways to do things, but there's ways that kids eight years old, like my son is about to be nine are, are learning it. And you got to make sure it's like, you know, that route. I'll tell you, like, you know, I don't know if I'm smarter than a third grader. All right. But I do understand fractions and three out of four being 75%. Point being, you don't need to have everyone agree that the player you think belongs in the hall of fame belongs in the hall of fame. You do not have to have everyone agree that said player has the results, the candidacy to the level that you think it is or that you think it is not. So today I want to focus more on the process and what we learned from what just happened with Scott Rowland and what moving forward to me is still an open question that I asked to friends of mine who are voters that are listening and watching. That I asked to mind, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts, or on the YouTube channel, or Twitter, wherever you're getting me, wherever you're hearing this right now, and probably some platforms I don't even understand, wherever it's out there, wherever you're getting this, right? No matter who you are, I want you to do me a favor. Write down as we're discussing some of this, what are your thoughts? I mean this, all right? Don't stop working on your math equations. Write down some of your thoughts, and I want you to tweet me at Casey Stern or drop a comment in the YouTube or DM me, and I'm curious where you are on some of these and what, because, you know, first of all, no matter what you say or I say, the saddest part is nothing's going to change. I've talked about that before ad nauseum, not getting to that again. I've had the conversations with the people who run the hall, right? And right now you could literally could not be in better hands than a guy like Josh Rowich, who I know not only is from my hometown, but I got a chance to know extremely well over the years and was one of the best public relations and media relations people in any franchise in in sports and me working in it two decades let alone uh knowing that you know what an all-american hamburger or cheeseburger does uh it means to your life like i do and like he does being a kid but now running the hall of fame like it's in great hands but it doesn't matter who i've ever discussed right at the time that it's been jeff idelson dale petrosky it doesn't matter right it, they're, they're not going to change it the baseball writers aren't going to change it 
it is what it is. We hate the blank ballots. We hate the, this guy didn't handle it well. But again, don't worry because it's 75%. Not that guy's vote that makes the difference. Even though I will tell you, Scott Rowland got in by five total votes. So, you know, the whole, you know, hey, vote for your politician. Every vote counts or vote an American Idol. You don't know that Jennifer Hudson's a shoo-in. Well, if five votes, that's it. All right. But I want to get into the minutiae and the semantics and the questions that come from this. And I want to start here. And just I want to lay out, and I'm only doing it for two of them. I'll lay out a couple of numbers for you, all right? His first year on the eligibility of the ballot, and these are not opinion. These are just, I'm stating facts. These are facts. First year on the ballot, Scott Rowland got 10% of the vote. He then, this past year, got 76% of the vote. It's the lowest total percentage and number of votes for any person on their first try that eventually got in while they were still eligible. No committees or any, right? The lowest ever, 10%, to then get to it. Scott Rowland himself, joking with his family, we made it after he made it past the first ballot in which we've discussed and we've discussed in the podcast go back a few weeks ago about how much I hate that whole 5% thing. It's nonsense. But those are the metrics for Scott Rowland. Todd Helton in 2019 got 16.9%. This year, he missed out by only a handful of votes and got 72%. Now, I will tell you and pause for another factual statistic that you should know about the Hall of Fame. And you should know if you're a fan of Todd Helton and the Rockies. And I certainly am a fan of Todd Helton. Nothing against the Rockies, but I'm a fan of Todd Helton. And he does belong in the Hall of Fame. And I've said that for years. He's a Hall of Famer. He will be a Hall of Famer. That's the good news. Mark it down. You could bet it somewhere, maybe on DraftKings. I don't know. Or bet online, of course, here. Who am I kidding? But jokes aside, Todd Helton going to the Hall of Fame. Every single player outside of it was in their last year of eligibility. So not counting somebody who got 70% and then was no longer eligible because he can't get to the threshold of 75 the next year. Outside of that, Every single candidate for the Hall of Fame, for baseball in Cooperstown, and for entry, every single candidate that has made it to 70% has gotten in the following year or gotten in at some point. And I think it might be everyone was the following year, but I want to leave the, you know, the, the outside chance that maybe I'm wrong on that part and maybe it was just eventually. It definitely is eventually. Everybody who's ever gotten to the threshold outside of not being eligible anymore has gotten then in. He's going to get in. It's going to be next year, all right? So he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But I go back to the numbers. That Scott Rowland, 10% first year, lowest ever for somebody who eventually gets in, 76. Todd Helton, just three years ago, 2019, then at the end of 2022, of course, the beginning of 2023 in terms of when it comes out, 72%. All right? The amount of games that Todd Helton has played since 16.9%, zero. The amount of games played and at-bats taken or appearances for Scott Rowland since the 10%, zero. So what has changed? Now, a lot of guys will tell you it's advanced metrics, and that may play a part. We look at the game differently now than we did at the time. Scott Rowland, I think fifth overall, maybe in war for third baseman, changes maybe the way you look at things comparatively to Scott Rowland 
good hitter, good player, great defender. If you asked me to give you the most dumbed-down view of Scott Rowland as a player, and I will tell you this, and I'll just share a very quick story. And this is something I... Not that I've never told on the air, but I don't think I've ever discussed on the air. So anybody who's listening, who's been listening to me for 20 years, has never known this until this moment. The first player that I ever interviewed, the first baseball player or athlete that I ever did an actual interview with in life, in my life, Scott Rowland. When I was on Dream Job on ESPN, there was an episode, the second to last before I got cut, there was an episode in which we did reporting for the first time and interviews for the first time. Now, clearly, I did not work in the broadcasting industry. I'm not counting radio at BU. I'm not counting, like, you know, getting somebody's autograph, asking them a question, or seeing them out on the street, right? Never done an interview in my life. I was at Cardinals training camp in Jupiter, and I did a piece on Scott Rowland and Edgar Renteria and comparing them to the A-Rod and Jeter combination. And even though it wasn't quite the same, I think you could talk about, at least at the time, what those two were and how much they were not getting the attention they deserved. And I interviewed them both and Tony LaRusso. I did three interviews. I did Roland. I did Renteria. I did LaRusso. Those are the first three interviews I ever did. The first I ever did as somebody who was an employee uh, working in this, in this industry was Kevin Millar. But the first person I ever interviewed was Scott Rowland. Yeah, and terrific guy. He couldn't have been nicer. I was crapping my pants and sweating profusely, and he was unbelievably kind to me. So I appreciate that, all right? But he's played zero games since he got 10%. And if you ask me when Scott Rowland retired, take Hall of Fame out, take statistics out where a guy was, and give me the most generic dumbed-down thing. Like, to give you a, a comparison, if you ask me to do this kind of a thing right now for Julio Rodriguez, right, I would tell you, and, and not even being able to use, like, rookie of the year, right, to, like, the gold gloves for Roland or, like, anything else, right? If you asked me to talk about Julio Rodriguez, I would say unbelievable talent, massive power and athletic ability, a stud in the making, and we haven't even scratched the surface with this dude. That's where I'd go. By the way, he's also, and I have no idea where they're going on the MLB The Show cover, which is, you know, a big deal to, to idiots like me. And it's coming out, I think they announced on Twitch um, on the 30th. And I have not heard or read, maybe people know finalists or whatnot, but with Seattle getting the All-Star game next year, the guy I'd have on the cover would be Julio Rodriguez. So if I'm right about that five days in advance or four days, because I trust for many reasons, I know what this date is. It's the 26th. It's a date that's... Um, had impact on my life. Um, if four days from now I'm right about that, uh, make sure that you tell, you know, all uh, four of your friends and people, you know, that I, I said, that's the guy who should be on it. All right. But if you ask me now about, you know, J-Rod, that's where I'm going, right? If you ask me about, pick anybody, you know, um, whoever you want. I'm trying to you know, think of you know, Pete Alonzo, right? Unbelievably powerful hitter, as good a power bat and you know, straight home run hitter than you've got in the sport. He's gotten way, way better with two strikes, can hit the baseball better than people think, is a clutch gene, kind of a clutch moment, big-time player, improved defender, and a guy you want representing your franchise. Again, bare bones, just a couple of lines, snippets. If you ask me that about Scott Rowland as a player in the sport, the day after he retired, I would have told you good to really good hitter who 
was part of a couple of really great infields and was never really given the credit he deserved for what an unbelievable defender he was, despite just the gold gloves, because he was a very quiet player and rarely was the best player on his team. That's where I would go, whether it's Phillies, whether it's Reds, whether it's Cardinals. There always seemed to be other guys, and he wasn't a great hitter. He was a good bat and a good run producer, but an unbelievable defender. And third base sometimes because it's not shortstop or center fielder catcher doesn't get maybe enough credit. Not to the level of left field and first base, but you understand where I'm coming from. That's where I would have gone with it. And if you would have asked me, do I think he's Nolan Arenado defensively? I would have said no. If you would have asked me, do I think he's Matt Chapman defensively? I probably would have said no. But I would have said a terrific defender at third base. If you would have asked me who was a better player in their baseball career, Scott Rowland or Keith Hernandez, I would have told you Keith Hernandez. I would have told you Keith Hernandez is the best first baseman that has literally ever lived defensively, and I don't think there's a question about that. I would have said that his high-end and MVP season, he probably was a better hitter. He had an overall hit-hit you know, tool. He was a better hitter than Scott Rowland. I think the clutch factor in his career and what he did for franchise, I, I, I would have put him in that category ahead of Roland as, as well, despite not having power, although Roland not necessarily a power hitter, even though he was a big dude. And, of course, not enough power to get past the strength to be here with Andy Chavez and, and whatnot with that big catch, for, for example. But I would have told you, and I still believe, that Keith Hernandez is a better baseball player and had a better career than Scott Rowland. All right? Not in the Hall of Fame. And I would have told you if you would have asked me if Keith Hernandez was a Hall of Famer, I would have said I get the debate on both sides. But if you would have asked me who was a better baseball player, Gary Sheffield or Keith Hernandez, I would tell you Gary Sheffield. You would ask me who's a better player, Andrew Jones or Keith Hernandez, I would tell you it's Andrew Jones. If you ask me Todd Helton, I would tell you it's Todd Helton. How do you go from 16.9% in 2019 to where you are now? 72, Todd Helton. How do you go from 10% Scott Rowland to 76? The advanced metrics, as we just pointed out, part of it. There are other parts, too. You could only have 10 on the ballot. We discussed about that, right? So how many times could he not be on the ballot that then eventually he was? It brings up to me the question, can somebody explain to me how the hell now Jeff Kent is off the ballot, no longer eligible? Jeff Kent's numbers went up significantly the last two, three years because the ballots were open, quote unquote. I know I was on the air and had voters tell me several times, you can go back somewhere in the archives on Sirius XM, several times that, <coughs> excuse me, I need to take some water. I'm getting angry. Hold on. Several times that, thank you, that Scott, uh, Scott Rowland, that Jeff Kent would have been their 11th or 12th or 13th guy if they could get 11 or 12 or 13 guys in. Jeff Kent did not have the ability long enough to just have the question that we all need to ask, the only question that ever should be asked about the damn Hall of Fame. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes or no? That's it. That's the only question. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes or no? That is the only question, people. That's it. Sorry. I don't care how many you're allowed on the ballot. I don't care what percentage in the first year. I don't care what you did for the seven years you've been sitting there scratching yourself or you've been drumming up votes on the side. 
if you haven't played, the only thing I want to know is, are you a Hall of Famer or are you not? And if you want to tell me, stay on the ballot for years because metrics change, stats change, we look at things to change, the stories of their off the field change, or we got a reason to believe that, you know, all of a sudden, everybody get, you find out years later, a guy was on steroids and we didn't know. Whatever the hell you want to tell me is the reason that your thoughts may change, right? Because of the statistics or whatnot, at least we can dumb down to one damn question. Is he a Hall of Famer or is he not? Not how many votes do I get? Not how long has he been there? Not has he paid his dues? Is he a Hall of Famer or is he not? Sometimes other things get in the way. I've had this thing about uh, in the NFL for years. You, you hear people say, like, oh, he's a, you know, look, and I get it after, like, the Brett Maher situation, right? Like, yeah, kickers are idiots and kickers are that, and he's only a kicker. He's only a kicker. So what, kickers should – are they – should we not have kickers? They just eliminate kickers because if we got kickers, kickers should be able to go in the Hall of Fame. Punting. Well, it's kind of a, you know, punt, you, you you change field position. It's important. Unfortunately, you don't want to have a guy who is, you know, punting a lot, but you'd like to have a great punter who can, you know, get it away when he needs 60, 70 yards, drop inside the five when he needs, know when to go out of bounds when he needs. It's an important thing. I mean, the new show of football, you got to have a punter. So if you're the best punter in the league or the best punter of the decade or the best in the history of your sport, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care that you were a punter. Follow me. If you're a designated hitter and your job for half the league, which was dumb in itself, and now all across the board, which at least is way better for me, right? I don't need to see pitchers hit, even though I love the National League as a kid. And I don't want to see two different sports. I'm not asking the AFC to play with tight ends and wide receivers, but the NFC has to have only fullback. I'm not doing that, right? So you got everybody doing the same thing. But the designated hitter doesn't play in the field. Now, you got different scenarios with that, right? You got Mike Morris, who, God bless him, nice guy. You wish they had the DH in both leagues when he's out there in San Francisco or with D.C. because he's one of the worst fielders in the history of time that you'd love to have him be designated as a hitter. You had certain guys that were designated hitters that could never be in the field. You're not going to put J.D. Martinez out there. We saw that. Vlad Guerrero, great defender and an all-timer with that arm late in his career. Texas ran into a situation where you certainly don't want him out in the field. He's a designated hitter, right? Nelly Cruz right now, designated I get that, but Edgar Martinez could have fielded the ball. They don't have Mike Blowers or whoever else, and there were others. He could be at third base. David Ortiz could be in interleague play at first base. We're going to be great. Guess what? Mike Piazza was terrible at first base, too. You know what? How's Reese Hoskins doing at first base? All right? So, you know, some of these are wouldn't have been great fielders, but there is a job, like a kicker and a punter, that is a designated hitter. You are allowed in the sport half a league, now the whole one, to be a DH. Why do I bring this up? Because people had a lot of problems with Edgar Martinez and then with David Ortiz, and I'm not going to give you Harold Baines because he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, and it's not just because he was a DH. So I'm not going there. I don't want to keep crapping on the guy. He's a nice guy, had a great career, not a Hall of Famer. He's just not. And I don't even say not for me. He's just not. You know, who you're friends with should not get you in the Hall of Fame either, by the way. Because guess what? Having no friends kept Jeff Kent out of the damn Hall of Fame, which is dumb. But if you're going to have a DH spot and a designated hitter and 
in that position, you're as good at it as anyone or the top two or three, which are the names I just mentioned, that ever did it as a DH. Well, guess what? Of course you're a Hall of Famer. I don't want to hear I didn't vote for the guy because he didn't play defense. I'm sorry. While you're eating your wet lunchbox turkey and sitting there having your ice cream sundae in the press box, how many times are you writing DH in your scorecard? How many times you interview the DH? How many times did the DH hit the winning home run or drive in a winning run in a game you covered? Now, they didn't play defense? That wasn't their role. They were asked to punt, not be the quarterback. Get it? Todd Helton played at Coors Field. If you don't respect anything that happens at Coors Field, and we think it is such a joke that it shouldn't even be in the sport, then get rid of the damn stadium. If everything that ever happened in it can never be legitimized, then get the hell rid of it in the first place. By the way, covered tons of games in Denver. It's a beautiful park right in the heart of town, and if you have not been there, you should. The rooftop bars that are around that area are amazing, even if you're not at the ballpark. It's a great area. Great park. All right? But I got news for you. Camden Yards, also beautiful, right? Not as nice in the exterior, but also beautiful. Camden Yards, which I've been to many times, I talked to a million hitters about. Go look at the numbers. Go look at the damn numbers. It's Coors Field East. That's why you can't pay Chris Davis $170 million to hit home runs there, because I could hit home runs there. Nobody's saying we can't play Camden Yards. It's just Coors Field. Well, it's pre-humidor. It's post-humidor. If you have a problem with the kicking or punting position, don't. maybe we shouldn't have them. If DHs can't feel what the hell you said, hey, maybe we shouldn't have them. And if nobody could play at Coors Field and have any value whatsoever, maybe no one should play there ever whatsoever. Don't tell me that Todd Helton, and look, I love Matt Holiday. He's a person. He's a friend. Right, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's a friend. Okay, great player, tremendous run producer. Had a great run in Colorado. All right, there were a lot of guys who deserve a ton of credit for how good they were and are. Yeah, we've seen other guys fall off. Has anyone ever watched Todd Helton hit? I have talked to tons and tons of pitchers who pitched against the guy, guys who played with him. First of all, Todd Helton, hello to your DHs, was a terrific defender at first base. He wasn't good. He was a great defensive first baseman. He was great. He didn't have to be flashy. Guy was as reliable as anybody. But has anyone watched him hit? Did you ever really watch it and think, oh, this is like, you know, like like the way we look at some of the steroid guys? Like, this is some, did you, did you think he was like, and I'm not saying a steroid, but in general of like just power, you think he's William O. Pena? You think this is an Eugenio Suarez in Cincinnati scenario? You, 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 I mean, really? This is what you think? Did you watch Todd Hilton play the game of baseball? Have you asked hitters who played with him against him, but the admiration they have for the guy? In a world of the stats that we care about now, have you looked at the on-base percentage this guy was putting up and the amount of times he got on base? Have you? Well, Coors Field. Really? Well, why is it 16.9% to 72? How is Scott Rowland 10 to 76? Is it advanced metrics? Is it where they played? Is it there's more room on the ballot? 
I don't know the answers to all these questions. I'm not here. This isn't like a normal spot where look and, and I'm you know I'm dropping some opinion on the guys anyway. As promised, I wouldn't. But it's not that kind of a pod for me right now today because I'm trying to just tell you that one of the biggest comments I have is how many questions people we still got. How many questions we got to have about what the hell the Hall of Fame even is moving forward in terms of should we have players involved? Why aren't broadcasters? Why are guys with blank ballots? I saw a ballot from you know, well-known writers who had three guys last year that were still on it, took them all off. I saw someone add in Scott Rowland who didn't have him. What the hell did Scott Rowland do this offseason to change your vote? It makes no sense. And then you go back to the full circle. But Casey, it only takes 75%. Not everyone has to agree on the player. Not everyone has to agree on the career. Not everyone has to agree on that player in consecutive years or even years later. They could then decide he's in. They could then decide he's out. They could change their mind back around again. Because the only thing that person can do is keep them from 100%. It can't keep them out of a hole because we only need 75 back to the fractions for my eight years old. Is that okay with you? Cause it does not sit well with me. How do you look at it moving forward? Want to hear from you. Speaking of moving forward, um, we'll continue on the uh, sports side. I'll be dropping lots of baseball, all sorts of different things. If you have any ideas lists or other things you want to pop in there, please do. And remember, and, and I you know, say this as much as I can, you're know, trying to be a preacher in any way, but, but, if you are going through a struggle and hard times and you're getting hit hard with things that seemingly are unfair and you can't understand, and I can tell you first and foremost, I promise you people, if anybody understands how much in life there are certain questions that make no sense that you'll never get answers to and how frustrating that unknown can be, I promise you no one you've ever met in your life has to live with that unknown any more certainly if it's equal than I do. Because I have experienced and lived that in a way I wouldn't wish on literally people say my worst enemy, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone because that's not the type of person I am, regardless of how people have treated me or not. But when you get hit hard and you go through all those things, the only way to go through them is through. And I've made mistakes that way in my life, and you try and avoid it, and you try and put it away, and you try and you know search for answers and truth and rationalizations, and some people just suck. Some things are going to happen to you that just suck, but you got to suck it up and keep pushing forward. And if you ever need any kind of, you know, a, a, a push, want to you know, reach out to somebody who's been through some of it with you, reach out to me on Twitter, connect with me. I love the relationships. And look, we all need it from each other. I always put that motivational stuff out on Twitter because I need it too. We all need it. Like, you know, I'd be, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm an honest person. I'm filtered out every, every day. Every day, I'm in it in the morning, I'm in it before I go to bed because with the things I've dealt with and I'm dealing with from it uh, in my life in terms of obstacles, I need those sorts of things. We all do. We all do. So let's keep leaning on each other. Keep pushing forward. Give me your thoughts on the hall. Stay unfiltered. I will see you for 148 coming up soon. As always, don't forget, unfiltered. We hear it unfiltered on the Believe Network, presented by our good friends at Ben Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.